0: All right. Hello, hello, my friends. You are listening to the Bad Blonde Radio Show on News Talk, K-E-Y-S, 1440 AM, 98.7 FM, Corpus Christi, Texas. (laughs) And today is a very good day. we got a great topic that many of you will... Okay, Aiden. Aiden is on his game today. He woke up early. He had coffee. He had cake. He is ready to rock. And I also have my co-host Chad in and he's here early. I don't know what's happening. Something is in the water. <laughs>
1: you, me and Aiden both had coffee and cake.
0: Oh, sweet. Did you feed each other? Did you do that whole like V arm wrap around and give each other cake? Maybe. Oh, that's sweet. That's mighty sweet.
1: We don't kiss and tell.
0: <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> Funny. I'm going to make a shirt about that. Uh, Chad, how are you doing?
1: Doing wonderful. Uh,
0: this is, we're the worst radio show hosts. I never put my phone on silent, neither does Chad.
1: Oh, um, I'm on silent.
0: Bip bopping.
1: I'm silented. I'm professional. 361 882
0: <laughs> 5397. Yeah, we're taking a poll. You know what? I was thinking the other day while I was driving that we ought to do trivia and ask folks to try and answer. On trivia, or answer via text or call, although we don't really want to put Aiden through the ringer paying attention and having to answer the phone. <laughs>
1: you never know what kind of hoodlums you'll get calling in.
0: Uh, Yeah. What
1: kind of vagabonds.
0: We haven't had anybody, Uh, we haven't really had any rough call-ins. Like, I thought for sure somebody was going to call in. We need
1: some, some rough call-ins. I don't That's know. That's what I'm going to push. Anybody want to call in with a rough call-in? 882-5397.
0: 8A2KEYS. E- oh my God, the phones are going Uh-oh. off. I see it blinking. I see them blinking. Too bad Aiden's, I uh, think, getting another slice of cake. So we're not going to answer those just yet. Anyways, we got a great topic today. We got a topic that, I mean, shoot, you can't think of, you cannot not think of this brand when you think of American motorcycles. But before we get to that, let's recap a few things. So uh, last weekend was the Noesis Brewing, Brewing Company's car show it was dope there were a lot it was a a nice mix an eclectic mix it was awesome i wanted to get i wanted to take a couple videos post them on the bad blonde youtube and facebook and instagram and all that uh but alas i brought my two dogs and they were kind i i don't know if they were more of a handful than usual because i've brought them all the time or there were just way more people there than usual
1: why do people have to bring their dogs everywhere?
0: Well, I just wanted to bring them. They were looking at me, and I it's love It's like them. the
1: new thing now.
0: Yeah, but I mean, like, okay, but do I not have some really cool dogs?
1: You do, but when everybody starts bringing their dogs, it's just like I, don't
0: I know. just didn't want to leave them at home. I went to the radio show. I been, was busy all day doing some annex stuff, work.
1: I'm so anti-progress.
0: I, I wanted to bring them out because they wanted attention, and I didn't want to leave them at home.
1: It has become a thing now. I don't think so. You could never bring your dogs to like a restaurant or a bar or anything like that.
0: Mm, I guess. I, I see what you're saying.
1: No, this is true. It's, a, it's become a... I mean, it's fine, except the dogs start smelling each other. One, you know, one's going to piss somewhere or make a doo-doo. <laughs> Or Man. in the fight
0: <laughs> one car show when Elton was my biggest dog, he's like a ninety pound dog when my biggest dog when he was still kind of like in his puppy stages, but not quite because he was like probably sixty pounds at that time. He's a big guy. Uh, we went to it was one of the earlier noise spring car shows and Elton laid. I was like walking and I was like, why why am I feeling? resistant? what's what's going on? why is he why is he not coming? And I turned around and he was just piling it on. Back there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was all, you just keep pulling him. And I was
0: all, set him up! I mean,
1: look straight forward and just keep pulling him. <laughs> do not, <laughs> do not um, acknowledge that he took a dump and you oh. just keep
0: going. Oh, I picked it up. I picked it up. Anyway, speaking of car shows, we have the 1440 Keys, the radio station's car show, coming up in March. Going to be pretty dope. I mean, each year has been awesome that at least you, Chad and I have participated in.
1: It's been getting better and better.
0: Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Chad, I put in charge of all the judging guys, so he's been doing a swell job of that.
1: I don't even like judging.
0: Nobody likes judging, and that's why I give it to you. I'll outs- <laughs> I will
1: quickly outsource it.
0: Uh, anyways, we're okay, we're digressing too much. Chad, why is it a great day for you?
1: Oh, it's just wonderful.
0: Because it's a good day for being alive. There you go why oh we're blowing up on the text it's a doggy dog world yeah gerard thank you it's exactly it maybe i should put my little computer on silent there we go thanks for texting gerard very true see gerard supports my decision to bring my dogs just about everywhere that i can although i really don't i just wanted to that day because i felt Felt like they had been a little bit exhausted by the four foster puppies that I had been taking care of. And they were like, come on, lady, let's do something together. And so I brought them to the car show. Anyways, back to the March car show that we're going to be. I think it's March the 21st or the 29th. I should check that out. And uh, it's pretty great. It's at the American Bank Center. We got a lot of participation from all types of car clubs. Like we at least, I mean, I think at least one member of every car club in Corpus has participated. So it's, a, it's an assortment. So I'm pretty excited about it.
1: It is growing. It's yeah. becoming... A, they, they've sold out.
0: I believe. A couple of times. I don't know if Rodney has confirmed this, and I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be saying this, but I think they're going to get the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders back again. Which is a hit. All right? Oh, I don't even care. Okay. Oh, yeah. there's. Everybody loves the cowboy cheerleaders.
1: I thought it was cool when I was a kid.
0: It's still cool.
1: Do they have like Marco Andretti or Mario Andretti or John Andretti? I
0: think that's past the the radio station's budget.
1: I don't know. How much is a cheerleader?
0: A couple grand, I think.
1: Well, they get three of them.
0: Yeah. Well.
1: I'll sign autographs for 500 bucks.
0: Yeah, there will be a long line of Aiden. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Anyways. All right. You know what, Chad? I'm just not even going to wait for you to ask me why it's a good day for me before we get into this topic.
1: Lay it on me, sister.
0: Okay. Well, it's a good day for me because I have basically scheduled this entire day to just go and work on the annex. If y'all haven't, if y'all won't follow uh my bad blah on Instagram or or Facebook, well, then you probably don't know that my sister and I have been working and my mom, my sister, my mother and I have been working very hard over the last year to turn a warehouse into a bar and lounge. And so today I'm just like, you know what? Just going to put a lot of pedal to the metal. We're going to get some work done there. We're kind of at the, like we're, we're at the, the easy end of this, you know? Um, it's all just kind of aesthetics and little bitty this and that's a little bit of painting, little staining, little urethanin. <laughs> and so yeah, I'm kind of excited to get that done and then have a cold beer at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. yeah I think I'll timed it wrong. I heard the prohibitions coming back. <laughs>
0: uh, that was really not a great idea in our past. And I am shocked that prohibition was a thing.
1: It didn't work too well.
0: No, it well, I would say it had the opposite effect.
1: I would say it's basically doing the same thing as the war on drugs.
0: I don't think you can police that. You know, I don't think you moral police, you know, like I'm sorry. Clearly,
1: you you can't because people had made alcohol. Clearly, you can't really police drugs Uh because people do drugs
0: or they create worse synthetic drugs. Yeah. So, all of it, all of it. Well, guys. Has, everybody, has anybody guessed the topic yet? Oh, yep. I, when I said America's most recognizable motorcycle brand, we had David text in and say, huh, probably not Indian. Is it Harley Davidson? And yes, that is our topic. We're going to be talking about the birth and kind of like the brief history of Harley Davidson today. But I can't decide if we should start talking about it right now or before we go on the break.
1: I would probably wait. Yeah. One whole minute.
0: One whole minute? No, I'm going to start. I'm going to start. And then I'm going to catch everybody up if they just start, to, if they just tune in after the break. Now, this is America's motorcycle brand, the manufacturer that at one point was synonymous with youth motorcycle gangs. Yeah. Motorcycle gangs in the 60s. But now, frankly, you. You got to have some kind, of. you got to be like middle income to even afford a Harley Davidson. It's funny how that is. They're,
1: they're no longer the bike of youth motorcycle games. <laughs> That's for sure. You don't see all these, it's the crotch rocket. Anyway.
0: Uh, yeah, no, you, you, you got Bob from accounting yeah. showing up and his fat boy, you know, like, it's true though. I mean, now you got to have money. And that's not necessarily a bad thing for Harley-Davidson, that they have a higher-end product.
1: Got a fat boy on a fat boy.
0: (laughs) Rolling in.
1: (laughs) Rolling in slow.
0: Rolling in. So, let's begin. Talking about the birth of Harley-Davidson and the winding journey from top American motorcycle manufacturer to being, frankly, run into the ground by a bowling equipment manufacturer. And then, all the way back. Now... Let's begin very far back. Let's do the math. How many years is that? Like 122 years ago when friends William S. Harley and Arthur P. Davidson decided to found Harley Davidson. I mean, honestly, some of the the best pairing of two last names. Can you think of any other car or motorcycle company that is a better, well, Rolls and Royce, we did just do that. That's good. But what else?
1: I would have. Personally, I would have done uh, Davidson, Davidson Harley. Harley.
0: <laughs> no, I don't know. I think Harley sounds Davidson. sounds more like a,
1: a high-end uh, like suit manufacturer. Yeah. Davidson Harley.
0: Yeah. For your men's suits. But I, I, anybody, somebody text in, if you can think of a better pairing of two names than Harley Davidson. And we already did. Rolls Royce is pretty good.
1: We're going to make you look good, and
0: I guarantee it. At Davidson Harley. <laughs> Anyways. Now, the two paired up and they came out with their first production motorcycle, which was the Model Zero. And it was powered by a... That's
1: not, like a, not a good choice. Model Zero. <laughs>
0: the Model None, <laughs> Maybe, or maybe they meant to say Model O. I don't think so. <laughs> by a 24... Q, and it was powered by a 24 cubic inch single cylinder engine. The Model Zero had no clutch, no front brake, no suspension, and it ran on a leather belt. Maybe that's why they did. They named it Model Zero. Yeah, for all the notes. There's
1: not much to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. All right, guys. Ada just told me we got to take a little bitty break, and then we're going to be back talking all about the birth and history of Harley-Davidson. all right hello hello my friends you are back listening to the bad blonde radio show on news talk keys and if you're just now tuning in we're talking all about the birth the history of harley davidson all right founded by two buddies william s harley and arthur p davidson and they began their first model with the model zero that featured no clutch no brake no front brake no suspension and it ran on a leather belt. All right, but soon after that, well, the Davidson brothers would see the opportunity and soon the group would grow to include three Davidson brothers plus Harley. And they would move their operation from a shed to a warehouse. That's how you know you're going in the right direction. When you go from shed to bigger building, which to this day, is still Harley Davidson's headquarters, which is located on Chestnut Street in Milwaukee. Pronounced.
1: Milwaukee.
0: Milwaukee.
1: I only know that from Wayne's World. I know. And and Alice Cooper. Yeah. Thank you, Alice.
0: Milwaukee.
1: I think it was Milwaukee.
0: Yeah, I think you're actually right on that. Love that. Love that movie. All the way. Anyways. They moved. They they upgraded, all right? Now, at the time, they had been keeping their engines pretty simple until William Harley came back with a mechanical engineering degree and an idea for a breakthrough engine, the V-twin. Two cylinders and a 45-degree V-shape. And in 1909, it's, I always like, we talk about things, you know, that happened in the turn of the century. And that was like a while ago, you know, it really was. 1909, the first production model, 5D, rolled off the line featuring their renowned 45 degree V-twin. And then as Chad pointed out before we went to break, they never innovated after this. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding now uh the 5d did not do too swell in sales but they realized the potential in their new engine and they went full steam ahead it was with the v-twin that harley davidson actually started sounding like harley davidson and that was because this legendary harley sound was a result Of an alternating firing sequence. Firing between 315 degrees and 405 degrees. And that sound started selling a lot of motorcycles.
1: Yeah, they basically, they didn't have a distributor. Mm -hmm. And they used only one set of ignition points. So it was firing at the same time on each cylinder.
0: Can you do the sound?
1: it like potato, potato,
0: potato.
1: I think it called sacrificial spark on each cylinder, whatever, going at the same time. So they had this odd sound because the other cylinder was kind of wanting to fire, but it wasn't really. And Harley was really proud of that later on, too.
0: Later on, but not at first.
1: They tried to patent the sound.
0: Can you patent sounds?
1: They weren't successful. Oh wow! But they wanted to patent or trademark their sound, and they were like, "We can't, you can't. You're not allowed to do
0: that." No. Now, as Chad said, they would grow to like it, but at the time, Harley Davidson did not necessarily see the advantage of that. That can you do that again, Chad? (laughs)
1: Not just.
0: This is good stuff. Well, let's try and trademark that all right so at the time they didn't see the advantage you know why well they kind of wanted to make their motorcycles more quiet they wanted to sell to the gentlemen's of the day not the hooligans of the day and
1: i think they could have if they didn't have that sacrificial spark going mm-hmm. on in each cylinder
0: yeah probably probably but that wasn't going to last so long and eventually they would try and trademark that little bloop, 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 bloop. i can't do it i i'm not really good at making sounds
1: that's all handled. <laughs> one of us is smart and one of us is funny, but on this show, it's both me. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, soon in 1911, they would hit success with the Model 70. Now, around this time, the popularity of board track racing boomed uh, amongst young daredevils. All right, young men in droves were taking their motorcycles and risking their lives out. They were taking their motorcycles out to test the metal of, I guess, their courage and their and their and uh, their bikes at motor drones, which were also affectionately known as murder dromes. Yeah, murder drums.
1: Yeah, those were cool. <laughs>
0: oh man. Deadly. like I'm going to tell you, we're going to tell you why such an ominous nickname came about in just a second. All right. But first let's talk about what are motor drums, huh? Well, they are wooden tracks with banked turns, banked turns in excess of 50 degrees, which can make you turn mighty sideways if you're not going to right speeds. Like Talladega's banked curve is only 33 degrees. And uh, the thing with like a bank turn like that, like the 50 degree thing is you have to maintain a high speed just to not topple over. You know, what were those? Mo- uh, what were the name of those? Was it what, is a death cir- circle of death? What were those in a circus? They got.
1: Uh, they always have those in a circus. Yeah. Not the steel uh, spear. Yeah. Where the motorcyclists would go up, upside down and everything like uh, that? Uh, multiple. Yeah.
0: Blows my mind. I'm shocked nobody's like hitting heads all the they, time.
1: I'm sure they did. They did, yeah. It takes practice. And even after a practice, you still probably get zoinked
0: mm. every now and then. Were those called circles of death?
1: I mean, they could call it whatever they want. What
0: if we started employing Aiden as our fact checker? Like, immediate goose. Young or... Aiden. <laughs> Can you verify what those circle of deaths are at a circus? Uh, he's like, no, I'm not putting him to
1: work. What a, <laughs> Aiden, what? The, whatever you say to Alexis or Alexa? Oh,
0: oh yeah, Aiden. You want me to Google the weather?
1: Young Jamie, like on the Joe Rogan uh, experience or whatnot? Exactly, that is
0: exactly what we want. Okay, I just need a, just need to raise. I, need. <laughs> I will tip. Don't you. we all? I will. Don't
1: tip. we all? I'll
0: give you half of what I get. <laughs> which is just a kind thanks and an early alarm clock on Saturdays. So <laughs> half
1: a, uh, a kind thanks, half a, uh, an alarm clock. Yeah. I just appreciate it. I
0: know, I know, I know. Anyways, we're gonna di- I was going to digress a lot on that, but I'm a nut. Um, I am going to keep digressing, actually. I'm sorry. <laughs> So at the uh, Barber Vintage Motorsports Museum in, it's outside of Birmingham, uh, Alabama. They, I, I remember reading on a plaque that the Indian Scout was the most popular and most chosen motorcycle for those circuses circle of death. So now y'all know. All right, now back to what we we're talking about. Back to Harley Davidson. Okay, so anyways, those motor drums were mighty dangerous. Like if you weren't going fast enough, you were just going to, gravity was going to take you over. Now, the thing about racing back then, car or motorcycle, was that it was incredibly dangerous for the riders and also the spectators.
1: Makes it more fun. I
0: know. You gotta well, stay on your feet. Well, you gotta stay running.
1: Everybody, you see them sitting at baseball games, they're not paying no attention. And they catch a bat to the face.
0: Or a hood to the neck. Or when...
1: a motorcycle to the kidney.
0: Heal all of that. All right, guys, we're gonna take a short break, and we'll be right back talking all about Harley Davidson. Alright, hello, hello, my friends. You are back listening to the Bad Blonde Radio Show on News Talk KEYS, 1440 AM and 98.7 FM, Corpus Christi, Texas. And if you're just now tuning in, we've been talking all about the history, the birth, the, all the things about Harley Davidson. And where we're starting is when they ventured, well, actually, they're they're not quite venturing in it, when the youth, the daredevil youth uh, in the early 19, I guess this was around like in the 1910s, decided to start doing murder, we're calling it the nickname murder drone, but it was a motor drone with serious banks and a wood wooden track. And if you listen to, I don't know how long ago it was, we did a, the 1955 Tragedy of Le Mans where, God bless, like 80 people died in a very, very bad death. It was pretty tragic. Well, that's what racing was. Motorcycles or cars, all right? Things were incredibly dangerous, not just for the riders, but also the spectators. And it was this peril and constant injury and death that earned these tracks the nickname of Murder Drill.
1: It's basically like watching a rally race in africa or south america yeah pretty much the same they have still not a
0: mighty similar
1: still not paid any attention to safety
0: no no death dismemberment and all that jazz just didn't really sound ideal to the guys at harley-davidson who were trying to sell their bikes to gentlemen and not these rabble-rousers so they decided to focus on something that was a little bit safer flat tracks and the boys at harley-davidson would dominate. All right. They dominated so hard that the Harley Davidson riders earned the nickname of the wrecking crew.
1: One thing I wanted to say uh-huh. um, can you imagine? Of course, flat track racing was mainly on dirt, but road rash is bad enough when you go down on a motorcycle on like a street or whatever. But what if you go down on a oh, bunch God. of wooden planks and you're <laughs> just splintered up?
0: <laughs> and not good. That doesn't sound oh, fun. Sounds- sounds terrible frankly no no now racing caught their their racing and the wrecking crew of harley davidson caught attention of potential buyers but harley davidson also began prospering with commercial uses of their motorcycles like you know like police departments the u.s army and mail carriers were all looking to purchase and those contracts brought in some big old money now, this is a fun fact, all right? The Dodge Brothers motor cars weren't the only mode of transportation that was requested by General Blackjack Pershing for the Mexico Expedition, which Chad and I have talked about this a few times. It was more informally known as the Pancho Villa Expedition because the U.S. government was like, let's go get this troublemaker at the U.S. and Mexico border, Pancho Villa So uh, Pershing wrote to Harley Davidson and requested a few motorcycles to help his troops navigate the rough terrain of the U.S.-Mexico border. Now, for cars, all he requested were Dodge brothers because they were the the only thing that could get over the tough terrain down there. Anyways, so Harley Davidson sent down 12 motorcycles and they made sure that they were properly outfitted with sidecars and machine guns. So the photos that you see online of these Harley Davidsons with machine guns and sidecars, like it's a big shield on this on the sidecar and the machine gun sticking out, <laughs> it's really rad. It looks, it looks like they probably had a very good time.
1: And no protection for the driver?
0: Mm, no. Yeah, no. He had no shield. He was just out, out in the great wide open there. But I mean, they didn't catch Pancho Villa, and I don't. They did have, a, I think, one shootout, at least.
1: As long as they had fun. Yeah,
0: you know. Pancho Villa would eventually get... Panchoed. Yeah, he'd eventually be shot while he was driving his own Dodge Brothers car. That's full circle right there. Anyways, with the start of World War I also began the flood of war orders and contracts. Harley Davidson would send over, would end up sending over a third of all their production. So, a lot of manufacturers did really, really well with wartime contracts. I mean, it boosted business.
1: Had yeah, made, made or broke a lot of companies.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: You got those contracts. Kabloom.
0: Kabloomy, kablooming in a good way. Now, in 1929, Harley Davidson would introduce the flathead. And then in 1936, Harley would introduce their first overhead valve motor. All right. Now,
1: they they named that one after you, didn't they?
0: Which part? The
1: knucklehead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Uh, Nailed it. Ahead of the game. Man, this is why I put, this is why I got a co-host. He's the funny one
1: and the smart one
0: yeah and the smart one
1: and the good looking one.
0: yeah and the good looking one
1: (laughs) i'm not sure what you do
0: i don't know either then they released harley davidson would go on to release their first overhead valve big twin dubbed the knucklehead why because the valve covers resembled a fist in knuckles Ish. I don't know why that's cracking me up right now. Ish. <laughs> now, the original sported a 61 cubic inch V-twin with pushrod activated and overhead valves. Uh, push rod activated overhead valves, putting out 40 horsepower. Now, this, it, the knucklehead was a big deal and a big leap for Harley Davidson and their engines. Oh, I thought you were about to make another joke.
1: No, I'm good. I'm all joked out.
0: You're all okay. All right. Good job, guys. If anybody has any jokes they would like to text in or call in, actually, let's just keep those to text. <laughs> that way we can we can screen them.
1: Give us your Harley story.
0: Oh, yeah. That's a good one. That's funny. All right. Now, Chad, what's the phone number?
1: 882 keys
0: Good work, sir. That is good work.
1: Send us in your funny Harley Davidson story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was also the first Harley Davidson. Okay. We're back talking about the knucklehead. All right. The first Harley Davidson motorcycle to have recirculating, have a recirculating oil system. All right. But now that did suffer a little bit. There were a few issues with oil leakages from their rocker boxes.
1: They were off their rocker
0: they were off their rocker as every other manufacturer did in the us when the time that world war ii came about harley davidson ceased all production of civilian motorcycles and they put all their efforts to the creation and production of the wla which i've done a whole video on the wla it's i mean that that motorcycle would go on to create a culture which i'll get to in a second now they went ahead Harley decided with the wla to go ahead with a flathead motor, which was a less complicated and easier engine to work on when you're on the side of a road in a war torn country. Now, the W, this is one of my favorite things uh, on the history of the WLA, is that it would become known as the Liberator, as it was often seen first on the front lines of a liberated country.
1: Do you think motorcycles are a good military vehicle? I think so. When how many people do they cruise? One or two?
0: Well, I think it's you can go around things. You don't. Know. And back then, somewhat. I mean, what? Back. You know, but somewhat. if you're
1: doing that, you're also not. Uh, you have no. Offensive. Is it better than
0: the jeep? You I don't have know no about offensive
1: uh, firepower capabilities. You know, you can't really ride over rocky mountains or whatever and shoot. I don't know. It doesn't. They don't seem to use motorcycles very much anymore.
0: They've moved on to drones.
1: Was it? That, well, that's not what it, I don't know. It just I get, seems what, you're, like it's I get not, what
0: you're saying, but it was a good, good. I mean, like,
1: it doesn't seem like it was that good to me. Seems like it was a, a poor decision of uh, usage.
0: You know what was a poor decision? So, at the same motorcycle museum that I, I went to, the, you know, that I was talking about earlier, the you Harbor the, Vintage Motorsports,
1: you had the uh, The military cheese hot dog?
0: No, I wish. Anyways, they had a thing that was called the Militor, which was like an absurd amount of weight. It was incredibly heavy. And it was also like wagon wheels. It looks cool as heck, but it was a tear. It would just get stuck. And it was a terrible option. So I guess, I mean, some motorcycles I'm sure were of benefit, but others like the Militor, not so much.
1: I don't know. It'd be interesting to, uh, they don't use them anymore. It'd be interesting to see their,
0: Well, I just also, I mean, like, well, the landscape of war is different, too, when you think about that.
1: Well, as a, well, I don't want to go there. Yeah. I don't know. This is
0: a big, we're almost on a big digression on that one. Yeah. We'll continue on. Side note, many, and this is what I was talking about with the WLA creating a own culture, many attribute the WLA as being a catalyst in the creation of the chopper culture. You see, there was a load of surplus WLA's just waiting waiting in the sidelines to be purchased after the war. And there were a lot of young men who had been riding them and working on them across the pond that were apt to buy them. They wanted to buy them up, chop them up, and customize them. And thus, the creation of the chopper culture. Now, around this time also, uh, well, post-World War II, biker clubs sprang up. And so did, you know, biker clubs don't look like they used to anymore. so And so did a wave of popularity across the nation with hit cinemas like The Wild One, starring Marlon Brando. This cinema success shot Harley Davidson's scale. Sorry, sh- talking is so hard sometimes on a Saturday morning. All right. Now, the cinema success shot Harley Davidson's sales to the sky. I've never actually watched that movie. Me either. Now, I'm going to put it on my to-do list of watching movies that I never actually get done. I don't end up watching these. It's half of these things that I want to. Anyways, the 1950s would welcome the Harley-Davidson K model, which was the first Harley to sport hydraulic suspension on both wheels. Now, the idea, the whole idea behind building the K model was to compete with the more nimble imports of the day.
1: And save your kidneys.
0: (laughs) Indeed, indeed. So, when racing competition just kept getting more and more tough, Harley Davidson went back to the drawing board and introduced the production race bike, the KR750, the last of the side valve design with a V twin capable of producing 50 horsepower. What motorcycle does Sydney have? I don't remember. It's either an X, a KR 750 or an XR 750. He's very, he's very proud of it. He's put it in the Rolling Art Show a few times.
1: It's cool. I just, I don't remember.
0: Yeah, me neither. Anyways, oh, how long do I have till I have a break? Oh, it's happening now. Okay, guys, y'all stay tuned. We're gonna be back finishing up the history of the Harley Davidson. Oh, hello, my friend. You are back listening to the Blonde Radio Show. And we have been talking all about America's most notor- notor- notorious, not quite notorious. What am I? Tra- recognizable. What's the other word I'm looking for? Motorcycle brand.
1: Notorious. No. Recognizable. Motorcycle brand. I wasn't paying
0: attention. <laughs> Dang it, guys. This is what I got to deal with. Anyways, we're talking about. The Harley Davidson, all right? And right now we've just hit the 1950s where they are trying to compete with the more nimble imports of the day. They have popped out the very rad production race bike, the KR 750, all right? But competition just didn't stop. It almost feels like sometimes Harley Davidson was just like reacting to competition instead of bringing the competition. You know what I mean?
1: Reacting to innovation. Yeah. Instead of innovating.
0: Yar. Yar. That's, that's exactly what I'm... That's why you're in charge of the thinking. All right. But competition did not start stop. And in 1957, Harley Davidson released the Sportster. The Sportster would prove mighty influential in the company and mini bikes to come. But they still were like, uh, what else can we do this Sportster? Hmm? What else can we add or change to the Sportster? As a, as many dealerships and consumers were kind of begging for something just a little bit more hardcore, what they did was they released the XLCH, and this came with a mag, with magneto ignition, nine to one compression ratio, no lights, and a two point two five gallon tank. They wanted to they wanted to have a little more capability with racing. Now the nineteen sixties would bring competition from the world, across the world, from Honda with the Super Cub. And, uh, you know, Honda at the time realized it just wasn't going to fit in with all the bad boy biker persona that had kind of become Harley Davidson. So Honda was like, you know what? Let's go the opposite. Let's go the entire opposite direction with our marketing. And with the Super Cub, the Honda Super Cub, they rolled out their famously kind marketing campaign. Chad, do you know which marketing campaign I'm talking about? Um, Can you say it?
1: America hates you.
0: No. 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 You meet the nicest people on a Honda. Mm. Mm -hmm. That one's better. It is. It is. Now with advertisements featuring happy young couples, kids, housewives, uh, it was a stark contrast to Harley Davidson's reputation at the time. And honestly, it worked for Honda. They were selling bikes, and Harley was feeling the pain. Now they were,
1: the Super Cubs were a little different than the Harleys. Percentage. Yeah, but they were
0: still biting into that. Oh, they were that market,
1: and they were uh, that became. Isn't that the most the passport and the Super Cub? Isn't that the most selling motorcycle of all time? In I history? think so
0: if we remember the time we covered honda
1: across the world properly millions in? and millions and millions
0: one still million.
1: people are still riding, riding around on them like if you look at oh, films yeah. in india or oh yeah other countries they're still cruising them heck yeah i have one you do i have a passport
0: <laughs> just hanging out somewhere
1: in my garage <laughs>
0: So the late, 19, the late 1960s got even tougher for Harley-Davidson, all right? They were competing against all these Japanese imports, and they realized that they needed to diversify, and they also needed to grow their manufacturing power in order to stay alive. And all of these issues combined resulted in Harley-Davidson looking for help in one of the most unlikely of places, AMF. Now, I wonder can, if anybody knows what AMF, bef- before I tell you, text it in at 882-5397. All right. Now, what is AMF, huh? AMF is American Machine Foundry, which at the time was really just kind of producing bowling equipment. They did all Sorry, around. I
1: thought, it, thought it was bowling lanes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Bowling lanes and bowling equipment. They were like a recreational products manufacturer. But really, people recognize them mostly for all their bowling stuff.
1: It's a good team-up, Harley.
0: It's odd. I'm not sure how that even... Nothing nothing says... How did that even get sorted? It says
1: fun like bowling and biking.
0: Yeah. Real wild ones.
1: (laughs) Wild ones. Mm -hmm. you going to cruise out on the back and throw a couple of frames.
0: (laughs) Is that what that's called? I think it's frames. (laughs) Well, AMF was good at mass marketing. uh, I'm sorry, mass manufacturing, That didn't quite translate into being good at building motorcycles, all right? Now, off the bat, the Bowling Equipment Company laid off a ton of Harley workers. And they also kind of attempted to streamline the production line because they thought they were really good at this. But I mean, there's much more, there's a lot more complicated production line for motorcycles than with like recreation equipment, you know? So consequently, Quality of the motorcycles declined, and sales followed that trend too. Word got around that Harley-Davidson's were not too dependable anymore. And while things seemed a bit rough, Harley-Davidson did manage to shoot out a of major success in 1970 with the XR750. And Harley-Davidson saw the potential and honed in on its racing ability. And the XR750 Took twenty nine of thirty seven AMA Grand National Championships from nineteen seventy two to two thousand and eight. That's a lot of that's a lot of winning. All right, they s- sporting more wins in AMA than any other bike. Now, also, why that XR seven hundred and fifty is pretty notable. It was driven. It was it was rode by evil Knievel, the legend
1: of many failed stunts. <laughs> I'm trying to remember one that he landed.
0: I think he landed a couple.
1: I don't remember.
0: There's like a.
1: Maybe I just remember all the ones he crashed.
0: Uh, the, well, yeah, that's what people do remember. So <laughs> the relationship with AMF and Harley Davidson just wasn't going so well. All right. AMF wanted to sell, and Harley Davidson also wanted them gone. But unfortunately, during their reign, they completely lessened the reputation of Harley Davidson and nobody was really interested in buying this feeling motorcycle company like 50 percent of the bikes that came off of the line during amf's time owning harley davidson were defective that's a lot and um harley davidson was not pleased with this partnership i guess they, they wanted the money but then they realized it wasn't worth the money and so, for just a mere $80 million, Harley Davidson was able to buy back their company. And it was their goal to turn the company around once again and dominate the American market.
1: <laughs> what? Go uh,
0: continue on. <laughs>
1: somebody texted me that said, at the time, AMF stood for Audios MF. What? AMF stood for Adios MF.
0: Oh, Adios. Majure. Ever. Fajure. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, okay. Chad?
1: Yes. I don't
0: know if we got to be real. I've already gotten in trouble for saying bad words. That's not any word.
1: I didn't say nothing.
0: I know, but I almost said. I almost when I realized what you were saying, I almost said it. Well,
1: I'm not your brain. (laughs) I can't crawl into that tiny little pea brain you got there and keep you from cursing.
0: Anyways, I'll let you continue on.
1: That was all I had. Somebody texted me.
0: Who texted you? It was your father. was it really our dad yeah (laughs) he said that yes audios (laughs) silly silly all right so anyways for a mere 80 million dollars harley davidson bought themselves back and they completely focused their efforts to turning the company around and once again trying to dominate the american market but unfortunately the 1970s also brought even stiffer competition from overseas with yamaha and kawasaki All right, I thought we weren't going to probably get through all of it, and we didn't. Look at us. Terrible. Anyways, guys, thanks for listening to the Bad Blonde Radio Show. We're here every Saturday at 10 a.m. talking something about cars or motorcycles. Have a good one.